Hi, everybody. This is Indy Damaka, and in this season of unrest and illness, it is important for me to reiterate the purpose of the 40th Year Podcast. This podcast is here to educate and entertain the global audience about popular culture in association to societal issues. It's imperative to know that the 40th Year Podcast can be explicit in nature due to language. I ask if you are under the age of 18, please have a parent or guardian sit with you to discuss any topics where you didn't understand. In addition, any topics discussed on the 40th Year Podcast has been researched with the best of my knowledge. Let's start this episode. Okay, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Indy Damaka, and this is episode 30 of the 40th Year Podcast. Again, welcome. Um, for this particular episode, I do not actually have any new tidbits, no new information from previous episodes. Like, I have the information. I just don't feel like talking about it because the environment that we're in right now is just a little too heavy right now. We're very emotional, very charged, especially after this incident in Kenosha, Wisconsin, with uh, this young African-American man named um, Jacob Blake. Unfortunately, he got shot down in front of his three sons. Um, unfortunately, I don't really want to talk about it or give you any real good information due to the people that have suddenly gotten involved with the case. Um, I think it's imperative to give this particular incident some space because it's already um, presented an uptick in violence in Kenosha. There was some... Um, malice that took place after the community found out about the he's not dead actually they said that uh, the last time I checked he was still alive he was shot seven times and so at this point I'm kind of waiting it out to see what happens next for him and his family just kind of want to send um, prayers and encouragement to the uh, sons of Jacob Blake um, very cute kids from the picture that I saw very frustrated about what they had to see um I think that was Sunday night that it took place. And so unfortunately, we're just wanting to kind of let the tide settle before really presenting the information. So kind of keeping that area up in prayer as well. I don't really want to talk about Megan the Stallion and uh, Tory Lanez. I think we've out we've overdone it. Um, I don't really have anything positive to say about it, actually. And I don't really feel like triggering anybody about it. I think everybody over the weekend had enough to say about it. And it just, it's really a very sad situation. I just think for the black woman in general, um, it's very disappointing as to when we get into violent occurrences um, with a significant other and we have to involve the police and how we handle it. And I just didn't think that she handled it, handled it the best way that was gonna be effective and efficient for her movement. Um, really more so her personal life than her public imagery. But at this point, it's not something that I want to talk about. You're probably thinking, ooh, what about Brianna Khan in Louisville, Kentucky? I am so drained about the situation in regards to the death of Brianna Taylor that that convention did not help the situation, in my opinion. But I really don't want to say anything else about it. I'm really for real at a loss for war words with that particular situation. And it's 
important just to really keep in mind that as you guys are going to be protesting, I know that the March on Washington is going to be coming up soon. There's a virtual one, but you guys are actually, some people are actually taking part in actually what I call a reenactment of it. But I know we're going to be taking a new stance in Washington, D.C. to commemorate the past because uh, I know it's Al Sharpton and a list of others that are going to actually live be in the plaza. Be careful and keep your head up because um, they're not playing. I know they got Black Lives Matter painted on the streets in D.C., but we got to see it live in action because I don't necessarily know if I believe that. Um, let's get to the topics at hand. And the first one is um, Tim Norman. If you're not familiar with Tim Norman, Tim Norman is associated to a restaurant called Sweetie Pies in St. Louis, Missouri. If you're familiar with the reality show called Welcome to Sweetie Pies, that was about him and his mother, Robbie Montgomery. He has re recently got in trouble with federal officials in regards to doing a murder for hire pact with um, one woman from Memphis, Tennessee, and then another individual had gotten indicted who helped with the life insurance policy that was placed on the family member who was affected by the murder for hire. Um, it appears that currently uh, Tim Norman was living in Jackson, Mississippi because he created a new restaurant with the Sweetie Pies imprint. And he had been, he's gonna be extradited or has been extradited to St. Louis County to face the charges. Um, it appeared that the woman from Memphis was just a co-conspirator in the situation. Um, he, from information, it seems that he was able to get, um, a life insurance policy on his nephew, Andre Montgomery Jr. That was about $450,000 that was basically placed on his head. It's imperative to also understand that he has chosen to possibly use the help of Benjamin Crump. I'm not exactly sure how true that is. It's interesting. And so I'm trying to tell this story before he gets involved in it because I'm going to have to take my hands off of it um, for a little while to see if the tide um, comes down with the situation. I'm presuming that... Um, his real name is James Timothy Norman, and I guess he feels like he's been unfairly tagged in this murder for hire situation. But they said that the woman who's in question who I want to talk about, because I noticed as I looked at the media coverage between Jackson, Mississippi, St. Louis, Missouri and Memphis, Tennessee, Jackson didn't really give too much thought of it. I looked at the CBS affiliate. They probably only spent like a minute and 13 seconds on that conversation, which was very interesting. Um, St. Louis talked about it over a span of uh, several days, but they never had the picture of Terrica Ellis, who was the woman who was involved in the situation as a co-conspirator. So I knew I needed to check Memphis, Tennessee. Lo and behold, the commercial appear, the main mainstream newspaper in Memphis, they had her picture. Because I used to live in Memphis, if y'all have not followed my podcast at all. So I used to live there. So I was trying to see her picture to see if I recognize her. I didn't recognize her. And I was trying to figure out, did she have ties in Memphis? Cause I guess for me, I was trying to figure out how did um, Tim Norman know her. So interesting enough, um, the family of Tim Norman and Andre Montgomery have been very quiet, which is expected if that's what you're wondering. 
um, as I continued to research about this conversation, I wanted to see who Terika Ellis was and the commercial appeal helped me get an understanding of who she was. She appears to have been accused of arranging the murder for hire that resulted in the death of 20 year old Andre Montgomery on March 14th, 2016 in St. Louis. Um, Terika has been charged with one count of conspiracy in the death of Montgomery, according to a federal criminal complaint. And that was announced um, Tuesday, this past Tuesday. Um, Andre Montgomery Jr. was the nephew of reality show star James Timothy Norman. And as you all know, Norman and several of his family members were centered, was the main focus of the Oprah Winfrey Network show, Welcome to Sweetie Pies. In addition, um, Norman and Montgomery was trying to bring a Sweetie Pies to Memphis and it was going to be placed on Bill Street. Uh, but unfortunately, that had fell apart. And we saw a little bit of it on the reality show because I was still unclear about why it didn't come to pass. But um, Shelby County and Memphis, Tennessee are very much sticklers about business development. So I don't know if it was some kind of situation to where Norman fell through on some stuff and they decided to scratch it because the location from what I was told was in a very prime spot on Beale Street. Um, Norman is also facing federal charges in the murder for hire plot. Um, according to court documents, prosecutors noted that Ellis has a criminal background um, and included misdemeanor, misdemeanor convictions from 2016. I mean, not, I'm sorry, not 2016, but 2006 and 2007. One was a misdemeanor drug charge and then another was indecent exposure. According to information from federal prosecutors, she is being described as an exotic dancer. Now, we talked about the indecent exposure charge from Ellis. She was dancing completely nude at her place of employment at the time in 2006, which was pure passion. At the time, pure passion was licensed as a topless only entertainment venue, which was only licensed to sell beer. It also stated that Ellis was present when Andre was shot and killed. And she fled the scene with another co-conspirator who hasn't been identified and had headed back that night to Memphis. Um, federal documents state that the evidence against Ellis is extremely strong. Prosecutors have asked that bail be denied because they consider Terica a flight risk. Now, according to federal prosecutors, they said the days leading to Montgomery's death, Ellis told Norman she would be in St. Louis. The two used prepaid cell phones to communicate the day of Andre's death. With the prepaid cell phones that Ellis used and Norman used, they were able to locate Ellis and Montgomery's location. Um, the data from the prepaid cell phones placed Ellis near the scene of the homicide, which was the 3900 block of Natural Bridge Avenue in St. Louis. Days after Andre's death, Ellis deposited $9,000 in multiple bank accounts. Um, it seems that James Timothy Norman was living in Jackson, I mean, not Jackson, Tennessee, Jackson, Mississippi. So he's being expedited, extradited to St. Louis for prosecution. Um, I think as well as Ellis. Um, what was really interesting to me was that both Ellis and Norman's arrest was a part of the Operation Legion conversation that we've heard through mainstream media, digital media. They've been talking about it. It was a partnership 
with local law enforcement, with federal law enforcement agents, that they were sending these federal agents and resources to cities who were experiencing an uptick in violent crime, which that means they had been following them for a while, in my opinion. Now, you heard me say about a third person that was involved and the third person was the insurance agent. Now, this in, uh, this insurance agent has some weight in the music industry, actually. Um, if you know Basement Beats, and this is probably going to be St. Louis. Well, I'm going to say St. Louis. The music industry probably know them. It was a production group from St. Louis called Basement Beats. I'm not going to mention the other partner. Um, it was the guy named Wally Beeman. His legal name is, is Wale Yangnam. He's 42 and he helped Tim Norman take out a hundred of thousands of dollars worth of life insurance on Andre and he has been indicted. What you're like, well, what music was he familiar with? He actually had supported Nelly and I think a number of people, but they gave him credit for Nellyville and then country grammar. Um, Wally Beeman was charged with one count of conspiracy to commit wire and mail fraud. And as well, it looks like Norman is now facing the same charge in addition to conspiracy to commit murder for hire and murder for hire that is resulting in a death. Um, bah, 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 bah. Let's see. It looked like Norman tried to cash in more than $450,000 in life insurance policies within weeks of Montgomery's killing, but never collected it because he didn't provide all the requested documentation. According to the U.S. attorneys, uh, Wally Beeman helped Norman illegally take out the insurance policies on Norman's nephew. Now, um, Wally Beeman has had multiple business operations over the years from music production, which fell into insurance, according to public record. He and Norman submitted three bogus applications starting in October 2014. The applications misstated Montgomery's income, net worth, medical insurance, I mean, medical history, employment and family background, according to prosecutors. It looked like Tim Norman was eventually able to take out 200 thousand dollar policy another two hundred thousand dollar accidental death rider and an additional fifty thousand dollar fifty thousand dollars rider that would pay out if montgomery who was 18 at the time died within 10 years um to give a clear view on how he was connected to nelly because that's how this article read it was stated that he was he was given exact credit with his full legal name as a producer on Nellyville, but he was a collaborator with Basement Beats and they're also listed on Country Grammar. Um, for me to kind of look at it from my viewpoint, it was disappointing to see that take place. Um, it to me looked like the Sweetie Pie brand has kind of struggled in the past three years just because they went through a number of locations nationally and then now they only have the location that's off of south grand um not south grand i'm sorry north grand and midtown st louis and then they have the jackson mississippi location and so um i think a lot of people are bummed out i mean i am is definitely not something that you want to hear about someone that you um hold in high regard um but a lot of people are you know as 
you probably assume what are the streets of St. Louis talking? I mean, it is when it has varied. Um, I think a lot more sympathy than anything. It just kind of gives clarity as to why he was behaving the way he was with his mother, Miss Robbie. Um, for me, I was very frustrated while watching the reality show to see him not give her the opportunity to just retire. But as I sat and thought about it before I started working on researching this particular incident, I realized it was, I mean, he's a convicted felon. He's a black man. I mean, it's not many opportunities for most convicted felons. And for him, he really just was doing the restaurants to make money. He didn't really see promise in it. He didn't see long term in it. And all he could see was that he was going to have to stick with his mom in hopes of getting his income up so that he can move on to something else to show people that he isn't just a convicted felon. But, you know, um, this is really just listening to people who have done prison, prison, prison reform from a ministry standpoint. A lot of the things that they tried to do is try to get them to come into a different mind set about their situation because a lot of times they come out of jail already feeling defeated and you know broken having broken spirit and so they went right back into what they know and that's kind of what it looks like tim norman did it's difficult for me to understand why he picked his nephew out of all of them because i would have i mean in my mind if you're going to do that why would you not use your mother no i'm not and i'm not trying to be mean but you know she's an you know, she's an elder. And when the show started on OWN, she was probably in her late 60s, early 70s. So it was intriguing to me how he came into the room on that. And they were actually actually saying that Wally Beeman does not seem to be remorseful at all. He's kind of shrugged his shoulders on it. So I don't actually understand what that's about. But again, that's really just an allegation. And James Timothy Norman is not guilty until they can prove it. The only person that they've actually said they have enough evidence to charge and put in jail is the girl Terrica Ellis. And that's disappointing to me because you only got $9,000. That's all you could get. I was almost sure she had been with him and she might've been the reason why he was trying to open up the Sweetie Pies in Memphis. So only time would tell. I would read it directly from the press release from DOJ, but I couldn't find it on the DOJ media site. So I had to take it from sources from St. Louis and Memphis and a little bit from Jackson. So, hey, just, you know, send prayers and encouragement to uh, the family associated to this tragedy It's very disappointing. Because, you know, a lot of times when they do these investigations, they like to start on the inside, which means family and friends and then work their way out. And so, unfortunately, they found a hit. It was a family member. That's very devastating. Um, let's get to the next topic. Well, 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 y'all, it looks like just in time for the Republican National Convention, TikTok is suing the Trump administration for that ban that 
President Trump put in an executive order. I was like, whoa, y'all suing the government like that? Um, it's interesting to me. So that's why I want to talk about it. Uh, I'm not a user of TikTok, but I think it's really cool. Some of the stuff that they do on there. And so it appears that the uh, parent company, ByteDance, filed a lawsuit against the U.S. government over President Donald Trump's plan to ban the music videos app American Operations. <clears throat> um, in a blog post um, Monday, TikTok said it filed the complaint because the administration is ignoring their extensive efforts to address its concerns. The social media platform argued that the ban prevents it from its Fifth Amendment right to due process. In the blog post, they say uh, directly, we do not take suing the government lightly. However, we feel we have no choice but to take action to protect our rights and the rights of our community and employees. It appeared that um, Trump signed the executive order like weeks ago, um, banning the app from the U.S. if it's not sold to another company. He gave TikTok until mid-September to sell, but then he extended the deadline to November 12th. Microsoft has had discussions with uh, ByteDance to buy TikTok's operations in the U.S. Um, it seems very similar to what Trump did with Twitter. Um, it kind of seems that he just isn't fond of social media sites that are not helping him, you know, still talking about Facebook and the Russia thing. So I found it funny, though, that TikTok was the only one to actually go out and sue the government. They continue to say, though, um, in their blog post that with the executive order threatening to bring a ban on our U.S. operations, it'll basically eliminate the creation of 10,000 American jobs and harm millions of Americans who turn to this app for entertainment, connection and legitimate livelihoods that are vital, especially during the pandemic. They basically say we have no choice. Mm. The lawsuit claims that Trump's executive order offers no evidence to back up allegations that TikTok presents a national security threat because of its ties to China. Um, the blog post also says that TikTok can provide a large amount of documentation concerning its uh, security practices to the government to prove that it doesn't share users data with the Chinese government. The app also says that Trump's order is not rooted in concerns of national security, but rather a part of the battle between the U.S. and China in regards to economics and commerce. Um, which I agree. I really just think he's being petty with China. I don't think it has anything to do with it. He doesn't care about the employees at the U.S. offices of TikTok because they're probably all nerds to him. He don't care. Um, will this be successful for TikTok? I don't know. Um, can Microsoft save the day? I don't. Uh, he Donald Trump don't like Bill Gates. So, I mean, at this point, no. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see how TikTok's um, chief officers handle this situation. And I don't know if this is the international office that is pressing forward with this um, lawsuit or it's just the executives from the U.S. office. That plays a factor because I know they said they talked about the parent company Bite Dance, but who is going to uh, who is going to actually show up in court um, for the proceedings? Because it's going to be interesting because will this conversation about TikTok affect the younger uh, Republican voter in regards to continuing their relationship with Donald Trump if they are a supporter of Donald Trump or any Republican candidate that's coming up 
in November. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I found it funny that he gave them a deadline of November 12th after the um, presidential election as if he knows he's going to be sitting in the seat. Did y'all catch that? That was quite interesting. Um, I'm trying to see what the customers of TikTok think because it will affect them because if the ban goes through, then the app, I guess, goes down and you can't download it um, if you're in the United States. So only time, another moment where only time will tell, um, it's imperative to kind of pay attention to what he's doing because he's really trying to make it to where he is going to be still sitting in the seat after the election in November. And I don't, I was very, uh, no, I was very in awe of how they nominated him as the Republican candidate for the presidential election they it was supposed to be a coup is what they said it was supposed to be a revolt i was like who are they gonna put in the seat but somebody was like pence i was like vp vp pence don't even want to be vp pence anymore so who else they were like mcconnell mcconnell don't want to be where he's at right now in kentucky so <laughs> trust me everybody's having a hard time so it's going to be really interesting because he's trying to stop us from talking to one another so if he can get us to stop talking publicly on social media then, um, you know, he has more of a chance to win. Look at what he's doing to the U.S. Postal Service. I mean, I'm afraid to make a request for a ballot by mail because I don't know what that's going to look like. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to do it. I mean, I'm not going to try. I am going to do it. But will it be successful? I thought about being petty and send like more than one request, but they I don't know how they would take that. So we're just going to start with one and go from there because um, I still have time to do it. It's going to be intriguing where the USPS will be by November 4th, if that's the date to be exact. So, okay, y'all, that is the end of this podcast. That is all I had. I told y'all I don't feel like aggravating people today because I am not in the mood for real. So um, I will talk to y'all next week. God willing. Thank you for listening. Bye bye now.